Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents... It's not, I was, it's not groupthink, it's common sense! I was saying that... Ah! Sports Talk Saturday. Four and touchdown my producer game. has an evil smile on his face like, oh, I'm grabbing that. That smile you you gave you gave Derek is the same smile he gave Nate for years. I'm just a meat bag with a with skeleton Gundam parts. Made out of pure disappointment. We are just mechs with blood and meat instead of robot parts. The only thing is, is that we're saying the same thing. We're not robots though. On WGR Sports Radio 550. I'm not going to lie to you. I forgot about that. I forgot about that meltdown. Welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. It's been a couple weeks. Derek Kramer here. TJ Luckman joining me and Evan bringing back the last time I was sitting in this chair with that beauty right there as I was... I, was, I think I was freaking out about the Bills wide receiver situation and how it was the same as it was before, and I was just losing my mind. And then and Dave, then days later, Gabe Davis had like one catch for six yards, and then there was another game, and I wasn't here for that, and he did better. Yeah, I was a lot say, better. Then the Tampa Bay game happened, then and the they Tampa discovered Bay they had more than just Gabe Davis. They have Khalil Shakir. They have Dalton Kincaid. They yeah, have all they, these options, apparently, all, yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah, I was just losing my mind about the fact that it's like it's only Stefan Diggs and that's it. And it's like, yeah, no, things have changed. Things have changed a little bit uh, sunnier, and that's usually what happens with a win um, in the last game that you play. It's been two weeks since I've been here. It's been 10 days since the Bills have played. Well, it will have been 10 days since the Bills have played when they play tomorrow against the Bengals. So... We're looking for uh, we're looking for a good time here. TJ is trying the rare double mic situation here. I'm just seeing which one's better. Um, yeah, it would help. If you, there you go. It, it usually helps to turn them on. Which mic? Yeah. You know, to knew turn which it mic on. I was going to use, but no, no, the, I've settled on this one. I think I'm okay now. <laughs> sorry, sorry, everybody. No, that one that, that was just uh, that was fun. I'm just seeing you grab two mics, and I'm like, all right, is TJ just going to try to amplify the tones here? I'm going to put reverb in the other one when yes. I need to use it, and oh. then we'll, 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 we'll make it We'll just explode everyone's brains today. There we go. That's exactly how you should do it. That's the attitude that I want on this show, is that we explode people's brains, either metaphorically or horrifically literally. Mine first. Uh, anyway, Bills, Bengals tomorrow, Sabres, Toronto tonight, and yeah, 
that one was uh, last night was not a fun one for the Sabers. There, I'm starting to realize the weird voodoo magic that comes with the Sabers goat head, and I feel like we found the monkey's paw with the Sabers goat head. We know how strangely amazing they have been in the black and red. It seems like we have found the cost. They cannot beat the Flyers in this jersey. No. I don't know what it is. I think I, I mentioned earlier it's like the colors are too similar or something like that, but it just there's just they don't have the juice in them against the Flyers. The Flyers know And yet the last time we saw the to do. And yet the last time we saw the Goatheads against the Flyers before they brought it back last yes. year, they beat the bricks off of Philadelphia in a postseason game, in a postseason series. The Flyers have just been waiting for 17 <laughs> years to avenge. <laughs> to avenge R.J. Umberger. That's right. Yeah, like, there was like a, there was a 10-goal game, I think, in that postseason. Like, Ken Hitchcock lost his marbles against Lindy, and the R.J. Umberger thing happened, and now the Sabres bring back the Goatheads, and the team that they last whooped on with said Goathead jerseys they can't solve the Flyers in those jerseys. Like, why are the Flyers this weird thorn in the side of the Sabres right now who are supposedly this young, up-and-coming team, a, uh, a promising group, and over the last two years, it's the Flyers. Uh, why the Flyers are this weird conundrum with them. The John Tortorella-led Flyers, by the way, so they're not greatly coached. And it's just, all right, you know what? I'm just going to throw up my hands and say sports are weird generally how it works that's generally how it works i i've tried to find the logic in a lot of things and maybe i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't use my brain anymore because that is how you just get stupefied in this world don't use your brain kids just don't there's your life lesson today i but like there is a concern though that is very consistently showing up with the Sabres team and that is, if you get the jump on them, you play it into a shell, and that's it. You muck up the neutral zone, you make things boring, and for some reason, the youngest team in hockey doesn't like boring. Hmm. It, but that's the logic behind it. You get ahead on the Sabres, you lock it down, you play the boring hockey, and that's it. They need to be able to solve this better, they need to be better at it, and... In, until they do, we're going to see ugly games like this every now and again. And a consistent thing we're seeing or we're hearing is that they're not getting out to the starts that they want to. It's like, well, what are the what are the starts that you want? Like scoring figure first, that out, typically. Figure that well, obviously, but you know, let's figure out what we want to do early. It's oh, that's that's always like the first comment. We didn't figure out early enough what we wanted to do, or we didn't get to our game. It's like, well. What is your game? Play your game. Yeah. Don't don't tell me about it. Just play the game. I mean, sometimes it's hard. Like, you know, playing sports is a tough thing to do, and sometimes errors happen where you don't get what you want. Sure. But that's also the nature of sport. However, it would be nice for you to score the first goal. And more times than not this season, that has not been the case. And the defensively proud teams will clamp you down for it. As a matter of fact, three of your losses come from Rangers scored first, played boring hockey. Islanders scored first, you know they play boring hockey. And then this past Flyers game, the Flyers get the jump on you, and they shell up. So there's three of your 
six losses now, I do believe, for the Sabres. I've already described half of them. And you need to be better if you're to be taken seriously as a playoff contender. You need to get off to better starts because otherwise this is the blueprint. You have the blueprint. It's there for you. And what else are you going to be able to do other than make us sit and suffer? Which with the Sabres, I get it. There's a long period of suffering. They're, we're still in it. They haven't made the playoffs in, in over a decade, and it's the longest playoff drought in National Hockey League history. Darcy wasn't kidding. Darcy wasn't kidding, but man, maybe don't use those words next time, I guess. TJ's looking for the actual remote that turns on the TV, and I, it's been hiding under my phone this whole time. Mr. Selfish over here. It's okay. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, like the Sabres are just this... Weird conundrum right now. They're exciting, they're young, and yet at the same time, they're incredibly frustrating, which is probably what we should remember. Young teams can be frustrating. Definitely, definitely something to consider. Another thing to consider, they're a young team that uh, expected a rookie to come in and stabilize the goaltending situation, which has been anything but the case. And kind of a foolhardy um, objective so to say. Considering what happened last year with the goaltending situation and uh, hoping that a 41-year-old would help stabilize the goaltending situation. They've gone through... They went just the literal opposite with the same idea. Right. We, you know, I mean, naturally (laughs) there wasn't, you know, one of those uh, middle-of-the-road, you know, 29, 30-year-olds available where they could, could, you know... Wait, wasn't that Comrie? I guess that was Comrie. That was last year. And again... (laughs) That's part of the situation that you created for yourself. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, and but I think between that, they brought in a couple of defensemen, one who has made a couple of weird decisions and gotten himself suspended for a couple of games. Uh, the other one who has, A, called out the defensive system. Uh, well, it's a new, new system that he's learning, understandably so, but... A lot of this team is the same as last year. You're bringing a lot of whatever issues you had last year while also still learning a new uh, system that's evolving now. Don Granado is trying to add defensive plays to it, which a lot of it, if you look at the stuff, at the videos that come out uh, analyzing defensive plays the Sabres have made, they're better at it. But it's tough for them to re- do that for 60 minutes. Yeah, because the thing about... Being a young team is that you are, A, going to make more mistakes, but also, B, you are more prone to wanting to incite scoring violence on another team. Just absolutely try to make the filthiest, nastiest plays that you can uh, to get the people moving, get the crowd going, and that's just something that happens. And yes, like TJ just said, like the pitfalls of it is that yet, you know, sometimes these things are going to happen and you can't expect that for a full 60 minutes that said yeah um the flyers really found their way to stop the sabers from even getting a lot of shots i mean you looked at if for anyone two games straight yeah for two games straight you look at the deserve to win meter and it was um the perfect double-edged sword the sabers apparently they they should not have deserved to win a couple days ago against philadelphia and then yesterday guess what it flipped back on you uno reverse card style so they face a goalie that has like a career 764 save percentage, but somehow has the Sabres number in these jerseys. Same, yes. same goalie last year. Same that goalie last came year. Came in and 
Wins by four, Yeah, by the way. So, yeah, except they were shut out last year. Yeah, they were shut out last year. Only one goal this time, so not much better. And, yeah, no, the Flyers are the only ones that can kill the Goathead vibes, apparently. Uh, everyone else is getting this work. That and goalie voodoo magic. Goalie voodoo magic, which the Sabres desperately need to solve. I don't know how they solve it, but they need to solve it. Someday. Someday. Maybe someday. Maybe not. But we'll see what happens here. Um, Again, it's just I, I hope, though, that this team continues to climb its way back up because before last night, three of their last four games, they were very promising. They lost to a Devils team that, you know, they, that game could have really went either way, but you'd beaten the Senators, you smoke the Avalanche, and then you win against Philadelphia, and it's like, okay, no, this team, we're feeling it right now. And then they went ahead and tripped over themselves. So... Yeah, that's all I got to say. Ah, ah, ah. I couldn't have put it better. <laughs> all right. Before we get to break, though, we'll get connected with our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. We go to Luke in Rochester. Luke, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. How are you? Do we got Luke in Rochester? Uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I think that this experiment with Greenway on the top line is kind of ridiculous. Granado and Adams are suggesting that Minnesota didn't know what they had. An expendable player traded at the deadline. Granado keeps trying to play him on the top two lines, but right now on the top line, whenever I see him there, I want to turn this TV set off. You guys were asking what, what can they do? They could put a real top-line player on the top line. Maybe they'll get off to a better start. Luke, if I may, um, who would you consider the players that would be on said top line? Uh, who are your three? Um, well, it was have kind of a interesting top six, but I, I, I would play Cousins at center with uh, Thompson at the wing and maybe Benson when he comes back. And then I'd play middle stat on the other line with Tuck and um, Skinner. I think those would be two really effective lines. The bottom six is problematic, but they made it problematic by, like, keeping Oposo and Gurdjieffson not giving the younger players in Rochester a chance. All right, Luke, I appreciate the call. Um, I'm going to say this right now. And this shouldn't be disputable. Their top line is Casey Middlestad, Jeff Skinner, and J.J. Paterka. Oh, yeah. The way that they've been playing, they are the top line. And you have Thompson, you have Cousins. Uh, but right now, your top three players, two of which are leading your team in scoring, in Middlestad and Skinner, and J.J. is their winger. That's it. That's your top line right now. They are the top line. And I don't mind Greenway. I think he has been fine. He has been a physical presence. He's been a guy that... Sometimes is doing a lot of the uh, the underrated or the um, undercredited things. Like there was a goal in that Philadelphia game where Greenway is driving the net. It was Power's goal. Greenway's driving the net. Thompson gives the drop pass to Power, giving more space. But who creates the space? Jordan Greenway does by cutting to the net and hard. He takes the attention away from Power and Thompson, giving Owen Power the cleanest look that he can to score that goal. So I don't think that there's necessarily a problem with Jordan Greenway. I do think he fits in somewhere in the middle six, which is exactly where he is. Also, to start the season, 
that middle stat Paterka Greenway line that started the season yeah. was the best line they had. Exactly. And I'm starting season. to think it's more of middle stat mode than anything. But he he is really turned <laughs> he has it been around. Fantastic. And he's been everything that we hoped that he would be when he was taken in the first round of his draft year. All right. We got to get going here. We switch it up. Matt Beauvais joins us to talk some Bills Bengals as the Bills take on Cincinnati tomorrow night. And you'll be able to hear that game, of course, right here on the radio home of the Buffalo Bills, WGR. We bring in Matt Bove of WKBW coming up next on Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I mean, you definitely want to come out fast and obviously get off the field on third down or even take the ball away. And, you know, that's something that we have all this this whole season been trying to do. And, you know, obviously the opponents have been coming out fast against us. You know, luckily we've been able to settle in and play our ball after the first couple drives. But, you know, it's something that we have definitely been talking about just starting fast and getting off the field. Bill's safety, Micah Hyde as... Buffalo gets ready to take on Cincinnati tomorrow night. You'll be able to hear pregame starting at 3 o'clock here. It's another night game. Hope everyone gets a pregame nap in because that's how we do. And, uh, hey, let's I, see what we get. I never thought I'd be in a position where I'm like, can I Can I have not a night game, please? I know we just Such recently a- had a 1 o'clock, but... But I am. I am. Most of them are done. They're almost all done. I'm so tired. I know. I'm so tired. I know. But I am so tired. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. Hey, you know what? I get it. But at the same time, this is the weirdest schedule I think I've ever seen for a team when it comes to the amount of prime time in 425. Like, the, I feel the like the back it's... half of the schedule legitimately shocked me when it came out. When I saw that many four o'clock games, yeah. it's been years since I've seen that. But the... I, I'm, I'm, the, I feel like I'm. Once we get into that stretch, I'm going to decide how I feel about it because I feel like it's just been so long. Yeah. But the four o'clock, whenever the four o'clock time slot came up during the Bills one o'clock era, if you will, I feel like it always threw me off. But I feel like if I get a string of them. I will get used to them and maybe like that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But right now, this current stretch of 8 p.m. and being awake until 2 a.m. <laughs> that's right. Because you're I one of the producers with the I overtime show. It. Yeah, I, that's right. I had to forget that little wrinkle for a moment because the difference between you and me is I try to go to bed after that. You get that. to go to bed. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I try. There okay. is a difference. That's fair. You know who else tries to get to bed after covering a he Bills under, game? He understands the 2 a.m. He understands the 2 a.m. problem, too. It is our friend Matt Beauvais joining us on the West Her Hotline. Matt, it's Derek and TJ. First of all, it's been a minute since I've talked to you, and uh, it's good to hear from you again. How have you been? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me on today. I appreciate it. I am at a rest stop right now, I think like an hour away from Columbus. So making the drive as we speak to Cincinnati, getting ready for tomorrow, obviously we got a good one. Yeah, and especially since you're on the road, again, thank you for taking the time to uh, to join us here today. 
It's been a chaotic season. Yeah, it has. You're <laughs> absolutely right. It's uh, been a weird one to start, and but it, it's kind of fun, right? Like it's it's a. I was thinking about it yesterday, actually, and I know that no Bills fans would sign up for this, but if they lose tomorrow, they will have more losses already this season than they did last year. I know that is not a good thing, but it has just been such a weird start to the season. I feel like. For a little bit of the last couple of years, it's been a little bit stress-free. But uh, who knows? Maybe this team needs to have a little bit of chaos to ultimately get to where they're trying to go. Chaos is one thing, but uh, sustainability would be one that could be appreciated. The offense looked like, in the first half at the least, uh, the offense of old that we've seen from this team and the potential that we know that the Bills' offense is able to provide. The breath of fresh air, the up-tempo, and it seemed almost like a different strategy or um, play call adjustment from Ken Dorsey with the offense against Tampa. Yeah, it feels like they went back to their roots, right? It looks like Brian Dable was back on the sideline or back in the booth for a little bit. I just think they are better suited to have an 11 personnel base offense and to just have three receivers on the field, one tight end and one running back. I just feel like that's when they're their most dangerous. So for me, yeah, I mean, it looked much better, still a long way to go, but it finally felt like, the word that we've heard thrown around so much the last couple of weeks, and I feel like it's been overused, is rhythm. But it finally felt like they were in a rhythm. It felt like when they needed short yardage, they were going to get it. It felt like they were doing a little bit of everything well. It didn't feel like they were forcing things. So that's a good step in the right direction. Obviously, now they got a tough opponent in Cincinnati. Their defense is good. So now can you do it against them? Because this game, you're probably going to need to score some points. So rhythm obviously being one of the biggest things about this offense. The other one, of course, being the fact that this team has been struggling to get production outside of Stephon Diggs for most of this season. But then in, against Tampa, Gabe Davis pops off. Dal- I mean, Dalton Kincaid is starting to get more consistent looks. Khalil Shakir, almost with his first 100-yard game of his career. Uh, how much importance is it going to be that the depth of the wide receiver room continues to produce? They just need people to make plays. And I think that it doesn't really matter who it is as long as it is. I thought for a little while maybe they were relying too much on Diggs. But then I think I came to the realization that he's their best player besides Josh Allen. And there's no such thing as, I guess, forcing the ball to him. Obviously, you need your other guys to contribute. And I think when you're doing that and when you're getting that, that's when you're your most dangerous. So, yeah, it is important, obviously. I I really like Dalton Kincaid. I think that we could uh, see kind of the beginning of some really, really impressive stretches for him. Gabe Davis is a tricky one because I think there's times when Gabe Davis is great, and then there's other times when you just need him to be better. I mean, two weeks ago, five targets, one catch. Like, that's just not good enough. Khalil Shakir, I don't know. I don't know what they have in him. I don't know if he can be their, like, legitimate number three wide receiver. But I like his skill set, and I think that you could see a lot of him in kind of like the Cole Beasley role of uh, the last couple of years. They just need somebody to step up, and I think last week was a good time. Speaking of guys who've stepped up, I thought Dalton Kincaid had a good week last week in terms of stepping up, and I thought it was great to see the Bills using him. And Do you think we're going to see more of that uh, tomorrow night? Yeah, for sure. I think when you look back at Dalton Kincaid's game, the touchdown that he has, it's a really nice play from Josh to kind of roll to the right and hit him on the move. But it's also a sneaky, impressive catch because that ball was a little bit behind him, and he plucked it in stride and was able to still obviously pick up the yardage and get into the end zone. His skill set is impressive because he just has really good hands, 
and is a really smooth runner. So, you know, he's not obviously Dawson Knox. He's not the best blocker. He is more of a receiver than he is, you know, a traditional tight end, but I think that's totally okay. And I think he is a mismatch problem. I think against linebackers, he's faster than them. He's shiftier than them. And against DBs, he's bigger than them. So I think this is something they need to lean into. Obviously, when he comes out of college, there's the Travis Kelsey comparisons thrown out there, which is nuts because he hadn't even played a foot a snap in the NFL yet. But I do think that he's got the frame. He's got the skill set of somebody who can kind of contribute in that role. Another thing that he's got to figure out, too, and I think they'll get there, is when plays break down, knowing what Josh is going to do. Because that's why Kelsey and Mahomes are so great. Off script, they are incredible together. They're better than anybody else in the NFL. So for the Bills, it's when plays break down, which happen all the time in the NFL, will he be able to kind of follow Josh's lead? And I think he will soon be able to do that, and that can make him even that much more effective. Matt Bovey of WKBW Channel 7 here in Buffalo joining us on the West Her Hotline. Matt, obviously... This offense goes through Josh Allen. It'll only succeed as well as Josh Allen is there. Josh Allen is on the injury report consistently with this shoulder issue. How has he been looking, at least in the media portions? Uh, and overall, how do you think this uh, injury will potentially limit the quarterback this season? I think this might be a new trend, what we saw this week, of a little bit of load management. I think that we might start seeing him get a Wednesday off every single week just so he's not taking unnecessary reps when he doesn't need to. During the portion of practice we're allowed to watch, obviously he was not there on Wednesday. On Thursday, everything looked normal, but that's not a live action period. That's just one-on-ones, him throwing against uh, nothing to his wide receivers. So I couldn't really notice a difference. Obviously, you know, you post some videos from practice and there's people who are like, oh, I think he's got less zip in the ball or something like that. I I can't tell. And I'm out there obviously every single week. I just think that they need to be smart here because it is a little bit of pain tolerance. Obviously, it's something that you do not want to get worse. It will probably get worse just because of the bumps and bruises that happen in an NFL season. So I think that's why the Bills need to be smart with it. Listen, Josh Allen is at the point in his career where if he misses a day of practice every single week, he should still be able to go out onto the field on Sunday or Monday and compete, and I think he will be able to. So I'm not overly concerned in the short term about the injury. I think pretty much everybody in the league has some sort of injury that they're fighting through at this point in the year. But obviously you just also need to be smart with it. Switching over to the defense, and um, obviously I would be remiss if I didn't bring up DeMar Hamlin, obviously. Uh, We don't know if he's even going to suit up for this game, but he will be making his return to Cincinnati, the same field where that unfortunate incident happened to him. Um, How has that vibe been? I mean, I saw the fantastic article from Catherine Fitzgerald, by the way. That was a great read. Anyone that needs to, anyone that has the time, they should read that. And yes, that is a WGR person hyping up the Buffalo news for once. Let's go ahead and make history again. Uh, But that was a great, I caught caught TJ there. Uh, But anyway, the big thing is is that it's a big story still. It's a big deal. And um, obviously the Bills locker room, it might have a little bit more meaning there as they go back with DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, maybe a little bit of added motivation, maybe a little bit of extra juice for the team. I don't think he's going to play. I don't think it makes sense for him to play from one, just a football standpoint, and two, from just like a human standpoint. If he was on the fringe anyway, like if he was like a legit bona fide starter, then obviously he would play. 
but he hasn't been active most weeks anyway. So it feels like why put him out there in this scenario with all of those extra mental hurdles that he would have to battle. Nonetheless, a huge story just to be there on January 2nd when all of this stuff happened and then to be going back there again this weekend. This is the absolute best case scenario from what we watched happen on the field. So that's incredible to see the journey that he's been through and all of the positives that he's taken from such a tough situation. I think the team is trying to avoid it. I guess there's two ways you can look at it. One, do you acknowledge it and try and use it as motivation? Or two, do you ignore it and try and treat it like every other week? I think it's going to really just be dependent on each person. I bet every single person will think about it in some capacity. Some of them will try and brush it off to the side. They just want to keep this as normal of a week as possible. And I think their bigger motivation is honestly how the season ended against the Bengals not the DeMar Hamlin stuff. Like, obviously, that's an added layer to it. But I think if you ask those guys this week, why is this game so big, much more, many more of them would say, oh, because they embarrassed us in the playoffs, not because, oh, we're trying to win a game for DeMar. They want to win the game anyway. If they do, that's just a little bit of added bonus. But I think it is very much still the focal point is just like, hey, this is a team that beat us. They ended our season last year, and they're really good. Let's go into their building and beat them. Matt, of course, um, defensively, they went ahead and added at the trade deadline with Rasul Douglas and a secondary that could use a little bit more uh, firepower here. Douglas could be drawing in against one of the deeper receiving cores in the National Football League against Cincinnati. And this defense has been hanging on uh, more times than not as of late. How do you think this matchup is going to go, particularly with this secondary against the likes of Chase, Higgins, Boyd, and company there in Cincinnati with Burrow throwing that ball? I don't think it's going to go well, quite frankly. I think it's a really tough test. I think that when they've had other matchups against top-tier talent, they've actually stepped up. This is the second-best talent that they have played this year. I would say the first is Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, and where they, they were able to kind of shut them down and contain them. But that team had Tredavious White, and it had Matt Milano, and it had Daquan Jones. So obviously things are a little bit different now. I think that you kind of have to pick your poison with them because if the Bills are going to do a bunch of dime stuff like we've seen the last few weeks, I think you will be able to limit, not shut down, but limit the passing attack for Cincinnati. But you're also probably open to giving up five, six, seven yards of carry to Joe Mixon if he plays, which, you know, it's kind of like choose how you want to play this game. The Bills did this against the Chiefs a few years ago. It was the COVID season. It was before the rivalry had really started. But they basically sold out to stop the passing game for Mahomes. And Clyde Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just, like, gashed them continuously on the ground. And it kept the game close, but they weren't able to make a play at the end. And and, uh, the Chiefs were ultimately able to win the game. I think for the Bills, that's kind of going to be the approach this week. They're going to do everything that they can to try and contain those big play-wide receivers and just let the Bengals run on them and hope that they can make a play or two. It could be one of those games where you let them march down the field and then you just hope that you hold them to field goals when they get into the red zone or where they get into, you know, a scoring position. So I, I don't love the matchup. I think if you were playing them in a couple weeks, you would have Russell Douglas better acclimated. You would have Linval Joseph better acclimated. I think both of those guys probably play, but I think their roles are going to be limited. I mean, for Douglas, he'll have two practices with the team. Same thing for Joseph. Like, that's a lot to ask. I know they're veterans in the league, but that's a that's a big adjustment. So I think the timing of the matchup is not great for the Bills just because those guys are still so fresh. 
Matt Bovey joining us on the West Her Hotline. Matt, linebacker has been evolving since Matt Milano has left this team due to injury. And, of course, uh, initially it looked like they were going to try to have Dorian Williams really try to settle into the role. Tyrell Dodson has been getting more snaps as of late as well. The linebacker situation here, obviously, it's not going to be the same. And dealing with the depth of this, we've been seeing more of Jordan Poyer getting looks at linebacker on passing situations. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I think it's trying to figure out who are your guys on defense, not so much who are your best safeties, who are your best linebackers, who are your best defensive linemen. I think Jordan Poyer is a good enough tackler that you can put him there and know that you're not completely screwed if they decide to run the ball, but obviously he has a better range of motion and he's faster than Tyrell Dodson. He's more instinctive at this point in his career than Dorian Williams. They like, obviously, what they've seen from Terrell Bernard. I think this is a way for them to throw some teams off a little bit because now you've also got Taylor Rapp out there, who is somebody who I think is one of your probably 11 best players defensively to be out there on a more consistent basis. So, I think that this goes back to, though, what we were just talking about of, like, against a team that passes a lot, you're probably going to see this more often. Against a team that really runs the ball well, you won't see it more often because it makes you lighter. And then you're worried about missing tackles and screen passes and all of that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a, 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 a dependent thing on who you are playing. The issue they'll run into this week, though, is that the Bengals can do both. They can run and they can pass which is a bit problematic. All right, so, of course, one of the big ways you can screw up a uh, a passing game and, and mess up with routines is the pass rush, and the Bills have been one of the better units at that all year. There is one name, though, that we're trying to hope to see more and more of as the season grows later on, and that is Vaughn Miller. Obviously, Leonard Floyd leads this team with six and a half sacks. Miller has still been trying to slowly acclimate into the lineup with higher snap counts coming each week. Uh, how has he been uh, looking, in your opinion, and how close do you think he can be getting as the season continues on? I think they are taking this very slow, and I also think it's intentional. I think just because Von Miller is healthy enough to play does not mean that he is 100% or even close to it. He's still got a big brace on his ankle, or not on his ankle, on his leg. So obviously he's trying to kind of work that off, and that's going to be on until about Thanksgiving, I think he said, and then he can take the brace off. So I think you'll see an even better version of Von Miller once that brace ultimately comes off of his leg. So up until that point, I think it's use him on obvious passing downs. Hopefully that he brings a spark. I think the bigger thing for them, honestly, right now is Greg Rousseau. Greg Rousseau has been playing banged up a little bit, too, with that foot injury in the ankle. So for him, it's when he was healthy, he looked like a difference maker as well. Leonard Floyd has been awesome. Ed Oliver has been awesome. Can you get Greg Rousseau back to healthy Greg Rousseau, who was also great at the beginning of the year? And then once that happens, obviously you can sprinkle in Von Miller a little bit. Von Miller right now does not look like somebody who is going to completely change a game. But I think the hope for Bill's fans and for the team is that he can make one or two big plays a game and that eventually that will turn into three or four or five or whatever that is down the road. All right, Matt, I'm going to ask you, it's prediction time, uh, of course. Uh, uh, yep. Sorry, I've got to do this to somebody, and I'm making I'm and I'm making you do this while you're driving. So I am asking a lot from you, my friend. So I do apologize. But how do you ultimately think that this game ends up going? I've been going back and forth all week. <laughs> I don't really know. Which 
I know it's probably, you know, everybody who's listening is like, isn't it your job to know? And I'm like, yeah, sort of. But at the same time, they're two good teams. I could see either team winning. I think the Bengals win because I think their mismatches are better suited for them than the Bills mismatches that they have against the Bengals. I will say this, though. I think it's a close game regardless of what the outcome is. And the Bills are absolutely capable of winning this game. I think that there's a world where Josh Allen comes up and he's like, hey, remember me? I'm one of the best players in the entire league. If he does that, then they're going to win. If the offense is still a little bit inconsistent, I just don't like the matchup for the Bills defense against the Bengals offense. I feel like you're getting them at a really bad time because now things are starting to click and they haven't beaten this team. I mean, the DeMar Hamlin game, it never actually happened, but in the first two drives for the Bengals offense, they moved the ball really well. And then in the playoffs, they once again came out of the gate swinging. So it looks like they're a team that is able to move the ball early on the Bills and the Bills except for last week, have not been able to move the ball early against defenses. So I think it's going to be a little bit more low scoring than people anticipate. I would say if I had to give you a prediction, I would say like Bengals 27, Bills 23. All right, Matt. And um, I we have the TV on for some college game day stuff. I just saw Jeremiah Trotter Jr., so I'm going to go get a cane real quick because uh, that's <laughs> going to make me feel old. Matt, oh my god <laughs> Matt thank you for taking the time though no of course and I'm sorry that I picked the Bengals I no. just think it's going to be a good game and uh, whatever that's just how I feel the only people the only person that anyone's allowed to get mad at for not picking the Bills is Howard so that's right exactly Yes, make sure you let him know that we didn't get mad at you for picking the Bengals today. Uh, You can tell him that and and let him know that uh, he's the only one that faces pick scrutiny. Yes, absolutely. I will let him know when I see him on Monday. But thanks for having me, and have a good weekend, guys. Uh, Of course, Matt, real quick before you go, um, you know what to do. Let the people know if they're hiding under a rock these days where to find your work. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate the little opportunity for a plug. At Channel 7, obviously, we've got coverage all day, every day, online and on the air, and then, of course, on social media, Matt underscore Beauvais. And if you haven't already, we'd love if you listen to the podcast. It's always game day in Buffalo. That's with you guys over at WGR, myself and Capaccio. We do two or three episodes every single week. Try and, you know, always have a post-game reaction, something in the middle of the week, and then something to get you ready for the game. So, oh, and we're actually, as we're doing this, some guy in a Highlander just drove by us and held up his Bills hat and stuck it out the window and gave us a thumbs up. So I'm not exaggerating. On the drive here, we have seen so many New York plates. I feel like this is going to be a very well-represented away game for the Bills. Obviously, the proximity helps, but it feels like every other car we drive by has a New York plate and then like a Bills or Sabres decal on the back of it. What else is new? Exactly. What else is new? Well, Matt, Enjoy the time, of course. Uh, I know you're working, but try to make the best of it there in Cincinnati. Maybe bring something back that I could trade Ennis Weber in a third for. Bad deal. Absolutely. <laughs> Matt Beauvais of Channel 7, WKBW here in Buffalo, joining us here on the West Her Hotline. Safe travels to him as he is getting ready to cover the Bills and Bengals as they take the field tomorrow night. And yes, Matt picked the uh, Matt picked the Bengals, and that's something that very easily any of us can see. Um, and how are you thinking this game is going to go? 803-0551-888-552-550. We come back from the break. We've got ourselves a nice little segment, and then Brian Duff joining us at the top of the hour as we flip back to Sabres as they take on the Leafs tonight. 
But then after that, it's all you and us together within the sports misery. Our teams are fine, trust me, on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour one about to wrap up here on Sports Talk Saturday as we're rolling on here. Sabres played last night. They play tonight. The Bills play tomorrow night. Things are happening here as the Bills and Sabres get things going here. This is We're it's in the ball. thick of it. We're, We're in, in the thick of it. Into the thick of it. Yep, that's how it goes. And uh, sometimes it's more frustrating than not. But anyway, um, I would like, though, for both of these teams to wrap up the weekend nice and tidy for us. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get off on the right foot yesterday, but uh, we can still get a uh, – we can still salvage a victory weekend from – from these next two days. 2 on one is still a winning percentage. That's Let's right. Let's do this. That's right. So the Bills need to go ahead. Uh, and, of course, by the way, against Toronto, that would be even just more icing on the cake just because of rivalry and watching Toronto melt down. It's, it's never – it's always fun. The, a Leafs-Sabres game, that there's one thing we can always depend on, and even throughout the Sabres drought of them being just – Awful. Just awful. Cheeks. I could always count on a great Leafs-Savers matchup. At least once or twice per season. Doesn't matter what the location is. You always knew that you were in for a good one. So I'm hoping after last night's stinker, everybody sort of resets. They realize what's in front of them. And they just come out screaming against the Leafs, which is what I... It's it's easily one of my favorite games to watch in the entirety of of the Sabres season is always a Sabres Leafs game. Yeah, because like like you just said, even no matter how these teams are roster construction wise, where they're at, and over the last decade plus, the Sabres have not been a playoff team. Whereas the Leafs have varied; they were in they were in a tank and then they emerged out of it. They became one of the best teams in the league, and the Sabres would still smack them around occasionally. And it's like. Okay, they keep up with the Leafs. I don't know how, but they do. And this is where we need one of those today. Just get the vibes back. Let's go. Because uh, the Flyers killed the Goathead vibe, and uh, I don't appreciate that. Absolutely so, not. So, yeah, no. Sabres, get the vibes back here. And uh, and the Bills and Bengals, this one will be the true coin flip of games. Like, we don't know how this is going to go. Cincinnati's playing some of their best football at the right time now, right out of their bye week. But the Bills also, offensively, through at least two quarters of last week's game, looked the best that we've seen them probably this year since the Miami game. So hopefully the recent trends continue. Hopefully you get the Bills that are at the top of the stat, the 2023 offensive stat sheet and not the Bills that played the Giants or the Patriots or any of that. Hopefully we get the Bills that are amongst the leaders in point differential and not the uh, disappointments that have had it's, these last two weeks. It's funny how... Two weeks before the Tampa game. It is really funny just looking up 
looking up statistics about the game and and finding that the Bills are at the, at the we're complaining about the Bills offense right and we're, the Bills are at the top of like total offensive statistics and you look at the Bengals and they're more at the bottom if when you look at everything so it's really funny how uh, a half a season plays out and how much can happen in that especially with the Bengals on a three-game streak uh, playing really well on offense and all of that uh, so it is funny to look at it from a year-long perspective and see that and go wow what are we really seeing here yeah I again, there's a lot to look forward to. By the way, I said amongst the top in point differential. No, they are still the point differential sponges leading the league. Oh, so yeah. let's hope, though, they can add to it uh, against Cincinnati. We'll take one quick call here as we get connected with our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western Europe's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. We go to Pat and Clarence. Pat, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. Hey, how you doing? Not too bad. How about yourself? Good. Just a quick note. Uh, on the Sabres as uh, being an ex-20 uh, year season ticket holder. I don't know how you lay an egg at home. We we, we would expect by now that the Sabres, and they know it because I've heard them say it many times, that they have to play better at home, and yet they continue to lay an egg, so to speak, at home. So befuddling to me. Uh, that being said, uh, on the Bills, uh, I've listened to the coach for Cincinnati and it just resonates in my mind constantly of how he said he knows what the Bills are doing and they're going to win the game. That was said last year, and I, I would I would assume that it pertains the same thing this year, is that he knows what we do, how to defend it, and how to score on us. So I don't have high hopes of, uh, of us beating Cincinnati uh, on their turf. Um, I've never really heard a coach come out and say it that way and, and is that bold and uh, confident that his team is going to come out and beat the Bills because he knows knows what our game plan is and knows how to defend it, and he's going to beat us. So uh, that being said, I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever heard a Buffalo coach ever say that. <laughs> but um, those are my points. Pat, I appreciate the call there. Um... I don't know if it's necessarily a brazen thing for a coach to believe in his team. Um, and it's not like he's pretty much saying like outright, we will beat them. It's he knows how to, and like how to scheme it. So it's kind of saying like, yeah, we've understood what they've been able, what they've done and how we can adjust to it. It's not necessarily like guaranteeing that sort of thing, but the good news is, yeah, I don't know if I want to give Zach Taylor that much credit. Yeah, no, but um, <laughs> let's also look at this. Anytime the Bengals this season have talked an extreme amount of crap, they've gotten their heads kicked in. So we've got that going for us right now. Booyah. Let's go and get it. Speaking of going and getting it, we flip back over to the Sabres in the next segment as Brian Duff joins us on the other side here on Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, TJ Luckman, Evan DePasquale behind the board as you're listening to WGR. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. 
Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.